0: Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor.
1: And I'm Carson Vasquez. I'm a private pilot.
0: And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors podcast sponsored by Stratus Financial.
1: So buckle up because the Aviation Mentors are taking off.
0: Welcome back to the Aviation Mentors Cessna series. Let's get back into Cessnas with their single engine tailwheel lineup, Carson.
1: Yeah, so while Cessna is pretty easily recognized for their high wing nose wheel airplanes, they have a solid list of tailwheels too. And a lot of them now are considered almost classics and um, pretty cool airplanes. So they produce the Cessna 120, 140, 170. 180, 185, 188, and 195.
0: They have quite the lineup of tailwheels, that's for sure. Uh, Unfortunately, they're not making any tailwheels anymore. And I know that some uh, Cessna 172s have actually been converted uh, to tailwheels, uh, which are kind of neat. A lot of these airplanes just look beautiful. and I can't wait to talk about some of them with you. The first one we're obviously talking about is the Cessna 120 and Cessna 140. They can kind of be put together since the 120 was considered the economy version of the 140 when it first came out. But... The main difference between the 120 and the 140, the 120 has no flaps and the 140 does. The plane is a really awesome little plane if you ever get to see one. It was produced right after the end of World War II and in the five years they made them, they produced almost 8,000 of these. This happens to be uh, the airplane that I actually got my tailwheel endorsement on. I bought a Cessna 120 and and I've had a blast flying it. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have that one anymore, but I just purchased a new one. And uh I'm having someone ferry it over from Florida for me that from my friend I bought it from, uh, just because I don't have time to go get it. But I absolutely love flying the 120. It's super slow, it's nimble, um, it's a blast to go spin. Uh it's just a really, really neat uh tailwheel to fly and uh it's actually kind of challenging to learn to fly due to its wheelbase uh, for some people. What's really kind of funny about that though is depending on who you talk to and which tailwheel, tailwheel guy or girl you talk to. Uh, They'll tell you the 120 is really hard to fly, or they'll say a Citabra is really hard to fly, and they go somewhere in between. To be honest, it just matters what your instructor's used to uh, and which one they train you on, Uh, and it makes it so whatever airplane you fly is is fairly easy.
1: You know, I can't imagine not going to pick up my own airplane. I'd be so excited. I don't know how you're uh, waiting for someone to ferry it to you.
0: I'm actually really excited that somebody's faring it for me because the last time I did a flight from Florida in a super slow airplane was the Icon, although that was a lot of fun and I had an interesting time. uh, I have no inclination to uh, fly a uh, 85 or 90 knot airplane across the United States, uh, probably ever again. Uh, Somebody have to pay me quite a bit of money to be able to do that. So uh, I wish you had your tailwheel endorsement, Carson, and you'd be going to pick it up for me.
1: Yeah, it'd be easy way to get 100 tailwheel hours. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. I think the actual time to fly that thing or, across the country is probably going to be like 25 to 30 hours if I had to take a guess.
1: That's a good amount of hours in a little box. Uh, the 120 is a pretty fun plane to fly. I got to fly in that one with you. I got to fly in that one with Johnny. So I really enjoy it. I'm glad you're getting another one because I'm going to get my table in it. <laughs> and uh, the Cessna, yeah, better. And the Cessna 170 was the predecessor of the pretty famous 172. And there's only a few differences between the two. So, like Brandon said, some people converting their 172 to a tailwheel, and they look almost identical. And the most predominant, of course, is the tailwheel landing gear, the 170. But the plane actually has a service ceiling of 15,500 feet. So, it's 2,000 feet higher than the 172 goes. And even though they are built in the 1940s, there's still over 2,000 of them flying around today. And pretty cool airplanes, a little bit more power than the 172. But awesome airplane.
0: Absolutely. Um, Another one that's pretty similar to it, but it's bigger and it's kind of closer to the 182. uh, It's a Cessna 180 and 185 Skywagon, which, like I said, is essentially the tailwheel version of the 182. But it is a little bit bigger um, and it's made slightly different. Um, It's not produced anymore either, but I've actually seen a few of them around the airport with big bush wheels on it. Actually, a friend of mine has one, and it's really windy the day that we're recording this podcast over at the airport. And uh, its tail and empennage are so large uh, that it actually broke the chains uh, today. I actually had to go out there and move this 185 by myself. And I actually had to call two people on my phone, come outside and help me with it because help me move it because I could not move the airplane by myself. Just the wind was pushing so hard on the back of it, but we got it onto a new tie down and and got some ratchet straps on it, uh, and it's, it's a really neat bush plane. So uh, the plane seats around four to six, and it goes all the way up to 18,000 feet. Uh, I don't know if I'd fly a 180 or 185 to 18,000 feet. Uh, you're going to get a little lightheaded, uh, so you're definitely going to need some oxygen <laughs> if you go up that high, but uh, these planes really don't need to fly that high, to be honest. Uh, but they can. Um, and this was actually the plane used by Geraldine Mock the first female pl- pilot to fly around the entire world. And uh, that's a pretty cool uh, uh, cool thing that I learned just before uh, doing this podcast. So enjoy.
1: You know, it, it's a pretty small airplane for flying around the world in, pretty much just like the 120. Uh, but it is bigger, and it's a pretty cool airplane. And seeing those things with the big bush wheels on it, those things are just so high up off the ground, it's, it's ridiculous. And I think all planes are pretty awesome, but I think planes with jobs are the coolest ones. And the next up is a Cessna 188 Ag Wagon. And it's one that I think you and I saw at least 100 times driving from Southern California to Oshkosh. And it's just flying all up and down. It's easy to recognize. Um, it's pretty unique looking with the, just the pilot in the, in the cabin. And I've always wanted to know how much they can carry. And I was looking it up, and the hopper on the planes can carry up to 280 gallons of the chemicals they use for uh, crop dusting and spraying crops. And crop dusters, those guys are absolutely crazy pilots. Uh, They fly low and fast. They'll fly under power lines, everything to go get the crops dusted. And they're paid pretty well for it. So it's a good job opportunity for a lot of people, especially after getting their commercial.
0: Agwagon's a cool airplane. Uh, It looks just like uh, the dusty airplane from the movie Planes. I'm not sure if it's the same exact one, but. I think it might be. Uh, that's something we're also going to have to go look up. And if any of our listeners know, uh, please let me know. Uh, I'm kind of curious now. Uh, but that Cessna Ag Wagon is a really, really neat airplane uh, single single pilot airplane, and uh, um, I love the low level chandelles. those ag pilots do. I mean they've got to they've got to hit their their lines. Uh, so ag pilots they deserve a lot of respect. They're also one of the most dangerous jobs uh, that you can do in aviation. Uh, but I would argue they're probably one of the most fun ones.
1: All right Brian I looked it up and Dusty Crophopper uh began his life as a Cessna 188.
0: <laughs> yes I was right. <laughs> <laughs> that is so neat. Yeah, Dusty Crophopper is a 188. Um, my son Austin, who uh, you guys heard in the previous episodes, that's his favorite movie, um, even though he's a little old for it now, but it's been his favorite movie for years, so he's going to love hearing that. And staying with that Disney theme, uh, the Cessna 195 was the radial engine business airplane of the 1940s. These are actually fairly rare airplanes with only 1,100 built, and there's about 400 of them still around today. If you've ever had a chance to go to uh, Disneyland, uh, that's a Cessna you can find on display in California Adventure. Um, it's an awesome classic that can go around for $200,000 if you can find one. Um, and I know they, they come up for sale every once in a while. And I'm fairly certain the one that they have at California Adventure was actually owned by Walt Disney. Um, and if it wasn't that one, it was actually a, like a replica. Um, and it looked really, really neat. It has uh, It's red and chrome. It's a really, really amazing looking airplane. And that's one of the airplanes that I want to own one day. Um, I know I, I hit my, my goal, getting my Icon A5, this Cessna 195 is a little bit more, uh, useful, I think. I can take a lot of people up and we could go places with it. And it's just so nice to look at. It is just absolutely beautiful. So uh after you you get done with a podcast, if you've never seen a Cessna one ninety five, please uh go on Google and just go and look at all of the Cessna one ninety fives and you can even look up the one they have at Disneyland.
1: Yeah, it's an awesome little airplane. Uh, I remember looking at it. I was in line with Maddie and I was just like kept talking to her ear off about a Cessna one ninety five and she was like, Okay, okay, I get it. It's an awesome plane. <laughs> so those planes are just awesome, and uh, getting to fly one of those, that one's actually on my wish list, and since I only have my single-engine private pilot license, I highly value any time I can get into multi, and while I don't have any time in a twin Cessna, I know Brand has time in at least a couple of these, right? Uh,
0: quite a few of them, actually, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, their lineup includes the Cessna 303, 310, 320, 336, 337, 340, 401, 402, 404, 421, 425, and 441. So that's their whole twin engine lineup.
0: You missed one, Carson. The 414. It's also up there.
1: Oh, the 414. You're right. You know, I should have you doing the research instead of me.
0: You know why? (laughs) You know why I know you missed the 414? Because I own a 414 that's still in pieces, and I want to get it put together again.
1: (laughs) So there's one less flying uh, when we get to that one on the list. There was one less flying than, uh, than we researched. (laughs)
0: yeah but it will fly again one day um i've talked to richard about it and i've told him that we're putting the wings back on it it's going to fly um my goal is to fly to oshkosh next year it'd be pretty neat um but the first one we're going to talk about is the cessna 303 it packs a lot into a light twin it carries up to five passengers has almost a two pound useful load and cruises at 200 knots with a 1200 mile range it was created to compete with the navico seneca and my personal favorite twin airplane, even though we're not talking about Beechcraft today, but the Baron. Um, there was not a huge uh, demand for twins uh, like there there was for single engines, so it ultimately flopped, and there were only about 297 of them built, unfortunately. You
1: know, the Baron is my favorite, but just going from flying single engines and then hearing about planes that could take 2,000 pounds and carry five passengers, cruise 200 knots, you know, go over 1,000 miles. It's just crazy to me because I don't have my multi. (laughs) And going from the 303, the 310 model was much more popular. There was 5,500 built, and it really just notably led to the sophisticated 320 model. And that 320, it was Cessna's intro to turbocharging. So turbocharging was not brand new to the aviation industry, but everyone kind of given up on trying to incorporate it into their airplanes for a while. And Cessna powered through and they made the 320, which was super successful. And it carried more weight, flew up to 29,000 feet, could land on shorter runways, and it was um, allowing it to be used in charter flights into pretty much any area. So a lot of small regional airlines started picking it up and flying with it.
0: Yeah, the three the 310 itself is an amazing airplane, and uh, it's one I have quite a few hours in uh, myself. I've got a lot of uh, Q model hours, and uh, it's actually one of my favorite airplanes to fly. Uh, definitely not as good as the Barons, uh, but... Uh, they're they're a blast to fly. Uh, the 320, by the way, uh, I've flown a little bit of the three twenties. And the problem with the three twenties they did go to turbocharging, but they also had issues with their motors. Uh, some of them had geared engines, um, which which made it not as popular long term. Uh, so you're not gonna see that many three twenties um around anymore today. The next airplane we're gonna talk about is uh, something that kind of has a cult following to to be honest, and that's the Cessna 336 Skymaster and the 337 Skymaster. Um, a lot of people think it's kind of an odd or really weird looking airplane, uh, but it kind of depends on your perspective on what you think is beautiful, right? Um, it has twin booms going from aft to the wings uh, to the vertical stabilizers. Uh, it has a push-pull configuration with an engine in the front and behind the cabin. This configuration actually made it much safer than most twins, and it as it didn't have a differential thrust. Uh, So if an engine failed, it would kind of sway away from the runway heading. And there's actually several countries that actually issue a centerline thrust rating for the Skymaster. And if you get your your rating, your multi-engine rating in a Skymaster or a Super Skymaster, you actually get, uh, you can only fly centerline thrust rated aircraft. Uh, You can't fly anything that's conventional. But if you do fly a conventional aircraft, uh, you can fly a centerline thrust uh, as well. I actually have a ton of time in a, uh, in a Skymaster and I absolutely love flying them. Um, I actually even had a, uh, an emergency one day and I thought my front gear didn't go down, uh, because I was having a uh, gear warning switch, uh, going off. So I flew by actually the tower and I asked them if they thought my gear was down and uh, they thought my, my nose gear was only partially down. So I flew around the airport, I burned some gas and, uh, I came in. And I actually had one of the coolest landings I've ever had in my life. And I thought for sure my nose wheel or my nose wheel going to collapse. Right. So I actually uh, came in. I gave the back engine a little bit of power. I killed the front engines power. I landed on both mains. I turned off the front engine. Uh, I was trying to get it. I don't know if anybody's seen those videos where people uh, land with their gear up and try to save their engines and props. But that's what I was trying to do. Um, luckily, the airport I was at was like 5,200 feet runway. So I had plenty of runway. So I actually st- did that because I saw, I saw all the fire engines to the side of me. They called an emergency for me. And, and then I put that nose down real gently, just ready um, for me to jump out of the airplane and turn everything off quickly. And luckily... The nose gear was down. It just didn't look down from the perspective of the tower, and uh, I got lucky. Uh, but that's what you train for. Uh, you train to uh, to do emergency gear extensions, and which I did. And uh, you you train to land an airplane with uh, without the gear working. Uh, that day, luckily, everything worked out just fine, and there were no issues. Uh, we did get that uh, switch checked out for for the customer's plane that I was flying, and uh, it ended up being a nice day. But uh, it was It was definitely entertaining and uh it made for for some some high nerves that day that's for sure next plane on our list is a Cessna three forty uh it's a six seat pressurized business aircraft, most of them have turbocharged engines uh two thousand pounds useful load, and a range of fourteen hundred miles. Uh, they were behind on production for the entire 12 years it was being made after one of the prototypes crashed during its final flight testing, which led to only 1100 of them being made. Uh, I actually am not a big fan of this airplane. Um, my girlfriend's cousin actually bought one, uh, Johnny, uh, he'll be on the podcast at some point soon, I'm sure. And he bought one and, and we flew it together. It was the first time I ever flew one. We just flew it together and we flew it to, uh, uh, to Southern California from Colorado. And we had a great time flying this airplane and it, it flew really stable in the air. But I found out if you put any, any useful load in it, you just put any weight whatsoever, you get no range. Um, We actually took it to, uh, to Oshkosh and we had to make stops like every hour and a half because we were at the top of our useful load in that aircraft. It just wasn't, if you and one other person are flying somewhere, you can fill it up with fuel and you can go for four or five hours or something. It's okay. Uh, But it just doesn't even go that fast, especially when it's heavy. Uh, So I'm not a big fan of this airplane for a bunch of those reasons. Uh, So I personally would never own one. Uh, Maybe going into the 400 series, I might own one of those.
1: I remember when you were planning that trip to Oshkosh and you were just hanging out with Johnny in in the lounge and just going through. And you're like, okay, we got to make another stop, like another stop here and here. And you're just planning it out. And I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. You're better off just driving at that point.
0: <laughs> kind of felt better off.
1: <laughs> Make less stops that way, too. <clears throat> and, 100%. and Cessna started out its 400 series by producing them under the manufacturing name Utiliner and Business Liner. And they produced the 401 and 402 to be cheap to purchase and operate. And they made them with easily removable seats and a cargo door. So it could be used for either cargo or business, depending on what you need. And it ended up being a good choice for many small regionals around the world. I uh, read that there is like close to a hundred that were being used. And I think Cape air has 88. Uh, that makes up their whole fleet. So the 400 series is pretty useful for a lot of these guys. And the plane has a 3000 pound useful load and tops out at 230 knots. So not bad considering what it does. It's pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. And Cessna really liked continuing their business line with the Cessna 404. Uh, this plane offered a, uh, Seats for up to 10 passengers, a range for over 2,000 miles. It led to the 441, which had turboprops, a 4,000-pound useful load, and a 2,500-mile useful uh, range. It bridged the gap between their piston and jet lines. Around 300 of them are actually still flying, with a low, low price range of around $1 million for a 1980 model. <laughs> I'll tell you this, Carson. I'll spend a, a million dollars on a lot of other airplanes than I would Cessna 441, Uh You can spend actually a lot less, and you can get actually that 414 or 421, um, which are amazing aircraft that have quite the large useful load, and they were definitely a step up uh, above that 340. Uh, They go faster, they hold more useful load, and uh, and they're a little more comfortable getting in and out because they're a little bigger. So for all those reasons, I'm going to stick with my favorites in this entire lineup, would likely be the 310 and probably... 414 or 421.
1: You know, I'm grateful for any multi-time I get. And uh, I I don't think I would complain about getting that many hours on any of these planes. These are some pretty awesome airplanes. And as well, if you want to spend a million dollars, you can pretty much get a King Air for that price too. So might as well. You can get get a C90. Yeah. You might as well take a step up and, and just go for something bigger. But Cessna has a really impressive lineup of aircraft with planes from pretty much every category. And it's exciting to me that I've only flown the 120, 172, and 182, but it's exciting that as I work through my ratings, I get to unlock the opportunity to fly in more and more of them. So we hope you're pretty familiar with Cessna after these two episodes and that you're able to add a couple of these planes to your own flying wish list.
0: Absolutely. And uh, and I still want to fly a few of these. I haven't flown a couple of them, so i got to figure that out, Carson. Yeah, we'll make it happen. But if you would like to 100%, Uh, Hopefully really soon, actually, we just got to find some people locally that own some of these aircraft. And if you happen to be a listener who owns one of these aircraft and want to take Carson or I flying, we're definitely always down. I will actually trade you a a seat time in the icon a five. So let's figure that out. I think it'd be a blast, but if anybody would like to reach us, you can reach either one of us on Twitter or Instagram. You can reach me at Mr. Martini guy, or you can reach Carson at Carson underscore AV 17.
1: And as a wrap-up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey, so fly safe and enjoy the ride. Thanks, guys.